listening to the Retirement Remix Show with financial advisors and hosts Chip Munn, that's me, and John Tate of Signature Wealth Group. Get ready for a bite-sized dose of timely and actionable financial planning and retirement tips alongside remixed retirement stories from real people just like you. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. John Tate, what's up, man? I'm always on a Friday at this time trying to fight the urge to dance to that intro music. It's pretty catchy. You like that? That's uh, I do. Uh, hey, who not how, right? You find the music somewhere else. And, you know, I don't know if you know this. We've talked about starting a business. Uh, do you know one of the most interesting businesses, actually, I think, is the music business? And you talk about jazzy tunes one of the ones that i've always liked and and i say always over the last few years is old town road you familiar i am i am familiar and i don't know if you know the origin story of that but we talked in our last episode about who not how and a, a big part of that is you know the artist and right off it escapes me the name of the person who put that out but as i recall reading his story he was a young man living with his grandmother, I think in Atlanta. And you know, it was a, I guess, a hip hop guy and found the beat on the internet. I think the person who had put the beat together was in Amsterdam. And it's the ultimate kind of who not how story for me because it shows how businesses can work and come together in that you had a guy with talent, you had a different guy across the world, you know, who could pull together the beat one bought from the other. And then, I don't know if you know this, at one point it had reached the number one spot on the country billboard charts. Remember this? And they kicked it off because they didn't think it was country enough somehow. Billboard decided. And so one of them, the artist, reaches out and says, kind of, somebody get me Billy Ray Cyrus. Like, it can't be any more country than that. And so they, again, who not how, right? This guy can't become a country star. So he gets Billy Ray Cyrus and it ends up being, you know, kind of the runaway hit of the time, but it, it was on the top of the charts, not just the country charts, but then the crossover for a long, long time. So. Lil Nas X, I think is that. You're exactly on right. That one. And it, you know, not that the billboard top 100 or top songs isn't enough, but it was also on the Tate household, Amazon prime, list of favorite songs for 2019 most played in the house by my son and then sung in the back seat of the car on the way to school the part about can nobody tell me nothing because if there's any phrase that embodies my son that's pretty much it well see about the time that my older two were that age it would have been more like yolo <laughs> and so it's the same philosophy you know for anybody who's listening who's a parent or a grandparent you get it you certainly have those periods where can't nobody tell me nothing. And honestly, John, we talked about this a little bit last time. That's one of the reasons that people start a business, right? Is because YOLO, you only live once. And at some point you don't want anybody to tell you nothing. And so you feel like, yeah, starting your own business is the best way to accomplish that. But another way that people can do that is, yeah, in a lot of cases, some of the things that I find is that people don't necessarily want to start their own business but maybe they want to own their own business by buying somebody else's. So when you think about buying business, what are some of the things that come to mind in terms of 
what you would do if you you know had identified an existing business that you want to buy. You know, it's funny in the Raymond James Equity Research Department, which is where I started out. You know, I was working with other people and young people when I was first starting out in the industry. And our job in that department was to look at existing companies and value them, figure out which companies were undervalued, overvalued, and put a buy sell hold rating on it for the clients of Raymond James. And obviously, we're doing with this publicly traded companies in our written research. But, you know, in our private time, we're also looking at private companies, companies in the area. And there are plenty of people that I worked with that went on to continue to do what we did, value publicly traded companies, but for hedge funds and other things. But then there were other folks who went out and used that knowledge to actually buy businesses and start running them themselves because they had learned those tools at Raymond James for valuing a business. And so there are plenty of times when you can go out and find things that are undervalued based on cash flow, based on inventory based on different metrics that you see. Maybe a business just isn't being, in your opinion, run correctly, and you have some expertise or some idea of how to do it better. And if you've been conscious of that and been able to save up money, you can go out and do that. And so there are plenty of things to look at when you're identifying an existing business. One of those would be where it is. You know, you want to have it located in a state like Florida where there's different taxes, different labor costs. Maybe you want to be able to wear shorts outside in December. You can do all those things in Florida, not necessarily in different places of the world. Plenty of reasons to choose a specific location for buying a business. And it's often not something that you can just always go out and do on your own. But location is very important. Size is also very important. If you're owning a business for the first time, you know, maybe it's not the best idea to go out and buy a large business with a hundred different employees and manufacturing in three different states if you don't already have some idea of how to manage that all. So what do we default to as financial advisors? Start with what you know, start with what you can do best, even if it's something smaller. And if it is your idea to either own something larger you can either start by buying a smaller business, running it very well, selling that, parlaying that into a larger business, or you can just buy a business and make it a larger business over time if that's what it is. What are some of the other things, Chip, that you can use to identify an existing business if you've got the capital or the, the wherewithal to go out and do it? What are some of the other things that you look at or counsel clients on looking at? Well, I certainly think John, that the industry matters. I mean, you have to be mindful of the fact that you want to buy something that you have an understanding of. I know plenty of people who have thought that a particular business was a good idea, and maybe it was. But they didn't understand the running of it well enough to effectively do it. Now, sometimes you have the ability to learn your way along and things can work out. There are others where I kind of talk about staying in your lane. You know, uh, over time, most of us have developed an area of expertise or passion because quite honestly, if you don't have the expertise, but you do have the passion, you can work your way through a lot of things and still it can work out and you can be happy. The other thing is lifestyle. You know, the last thing most people want to do is start a business. You know, we talk about owning a business rather than having a business own you. And I think that being mindful of if you're looking at different businesses, keeping the lifestyle that you want to have in mind, I think, John, is really important. You know, one of the biggest questions that I encourage people to at least be aware of, 
And maybe even to ask is, why is the other guy selling the business? Because I think that that's one of those things that is important to, again, their reason doesn't necessarily have to impact whether or not you buy the business or why you buy the business. But I do think it's important to know. What are your thoughts on that, John? I agree with those things. I think when you talk about lifestyle too, most business owners that you and I talk to, they start out, I think we all start out with a kind of a whatever it takes attitude. I'm going to do whatever I can possibly do to make this work, even if I have to personally suffer in the beginning to make that happen. And the thing I see with that, you know, in my own personal life, as well as the lives of others is, yes, you can absolutely do that. And you have to do that when you own a business. But there's only so far that is going to take you at some point that whatever it takes attitude is going to dissipate, whether it be by stress or by changes in your own life or whatever it is. And so just know that you can do that, but it's only for what I would consider a limited amount of time before your lifestyle begins to be impacted potentially in a negative way. But when you talk about the why, the why of the selling you definitely need to know why. And, and a lot of times, especially now, when you have, and we'll talk about this you know, later on, so I don't want to get too big into it today, but we do have a portion of our economy, our economic workers that are going to be retiring. They're known as baby boomers. You may have heard of them. Retirement is a huge reason for getting rid of a business, selling a business, spending time with family, or in some cases, perhaps the owner just wants to go and pursue their new why. Maybe they've learned some things in their existing industry and they want to go out and do something else. And so these are all reasons why, you know, harmless reasons, I would say, of why the owner is selling. You can also get into some of the more harmful reasons that a founder or owner would be selling. And those can sometimes be financial or legal or we've talked about divorce on this show. Sometimes that's a reason for better, for worse. You know, it can be many different reasons why, but you always need to ask the question. And the better you have an understanding of that, the better off you'll be as the buyer. Again, it's just a question worth asking as part of the due diligence process and really feeling like you're comfortable with the answer. Because I've also known of people who, you know, the business made a lot of sense, but the current owner saw the writing on the wall or some legislative change or, you know, being sure that the things that you could know you do know, I think, are important parts of the due diligence process because by virtue of the fact that they own a business, they do have more experience in a lot of cases. Again, assuming you're new to buying this business or being in the industry, it's one of those things where they may know something you don't know and you just want to make sure that you've done your homework. You know, John, I think you and I both can agree. We've been through these kinds of things, both personally and with clients before. They certainly can be a good thing. When you think about buying a business compared to maybe starting one yourself? What are some of the pros for why somebody might want to do that? You know, I think the more you understand about the business, let's, you know, if you feel like you have a better or an understanding of how something works, or maybe it doesn't work like that today, or you think it's going to work like that differently in the future, coming in with a sense of understanding always helps. The more work you do up front to value the business, whether it be through a third party, you and I have talked before about hiring professionals to help out when it makes sense. And, and so if we're talking about business valuation, I do, I'll go out on a limb and say, I do think it makes sense, both from the seller standpoint and the buyer standpoint, 
to have some kind of business valuation done by a third party when you're stepping into this, even if you do have or feel like you have an understanding of the upfront costs. The business valuation allows you to more easily understand what you're paying for and why you're paying it. And what you're paying for can differ, whether it's inventory, equipment, intangible assets, maybe a name brand, whatever it is, what you're paying for needs to be understood by the buyer so that when you get into it, you understand, here's what I've put down, here's the risk I've taken on, the debt I've incurred potentially to purchase this business and why. And then understanding the upfront costs as you're going through that business valuation, you can also understand and get some more clarity on the financials of the business, which includes the income coming in, the expenses going out, maybe from a budgeting standpoint, there's seasonality of the numbers. Maybe there's more money that comes in at one point during the year, maybe everything's front end loaded in the first half. And then the second half of the year, you spend time doing other things and there's not a lot of sales coming in. That's something you need to understand going into the business so that you don't get potentially caught with your pants down expecting one thing and having something else happen. What are some of the other pros as you see them, Chip? I wanted to touch on, John, one of the things that you said. It's very much a positive to be able to, when you're buying a business, you can see what the cash flow has been like. So you can learn things like seasonality and make projections based on what has happened. You have some time and experience that if you were starting a brand new business, you won't have. Now you pay for that in that you're buying an existing revenue stream, client base, whatever. But I think that's definitely a positive is the ability to have some sort of data to be able to make decisions and run in your business on. And so I think that that is a really big thing. I also think, again, price can be a pro or a con, but there are times when you can buy an asset, a business that is undervalued, that somebody's willing to take less than what it's worth, or you can get incredibly favorable terms for one reason or another based on what's going on with the seller, provided that you've done your due diligence, I think that that makes an awful lot of, I mean, there's attractiveness, right? I I think that one of the things that we have to be mindful of, because we've talked about some of the good stuff, the flip side of that is cons. And a big part of that is doing your due diligence. We've talked about that, kind of touched on that throughout the episode of understanding while it can be a positive, a reputation can be a negative too. You, You have to understand the business that you're buying, things like their history, the finances. I would encourage people that buying a business, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure in this case. Sometimes the best deals are the ones you didn't get. And I think that we talked about Little Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus to start the show. I think it was Garth Brooks that says, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. And there are times when the due diligence process can really bring that feeling about when you find out things, just like you can find a deal, you know, the flip side of that kind of uh, another con is you can pay too much. And all of a sudden, rather than starting from zero where you start a new business, you can actually kind of put yourself behind the eight ball by having too much of a price tag on the front end. And it reminds me of something somebody I've heard said about real estate is that you don't make your money when you sell you make your money when you buy. And I think that the same can be true 
in some cases when it comes to a business. You just want to make sure that you're getting a fair price, but particularly favorable terms. And I think that all those things are part of the discussion on the front end. John, any other cons that you can think of? You know, just to preface this conversation, I think all these pros and cons are comparing against the difference between buying a business and then starting one for yourself, like we talked about in the last episode. So these are all things that that you're not going to face if you're just starting up your own business from scratch. You don't have to worry about an established reputation because you don't have one. You don't have to worry about a business valuation or budgeting because you're figuring all that stuff out. There is no valuation yet. But when it comes to buying another business, you know, these pros and cons are definitely important. And I think one of the other cons that you would have to think about if you're buying a business versus starting one yourself is a change in management. I mean, when you start your own business, you're the management, you know, you're not having to change anything. But when you're buying a business, there may be a culture, there may be employees that are already there, good employees, employees that you want to keep, but employees that expect one thing from the management team. And you need to be aware of what those things are. Because, you know, I think one of the keys to running a successful business and buying an existing business is keeping as many of the good employees, keeping that momentum going, keeping the good parts of the business there and understanding management, coming up with a smooth transition, agree upon that transition plan ahead of time, if possible, and in writing. I mean, these are all good things to consider. And then don't forget that just because you've agreed with something with the current management team, here's the transition, here's how long it's going to take, here's what the end result is going to look like. You also have to make sure that the employees know what to expect as well, because any kind of uncertainty that existing employees can see in the management change in the change from one owner to another, any kind of uncertainty there and a lot of times you'll see them jump ship and go somewhere else where there is not that uncertainty. And so making it clear what the change in management is going to entail, what that transition looks like is supremely important. And it's often left to the back end and not given much thought. And so that's just one thing that I think everybody should consider if they're going to buy a business. Well, I wholeheartedly agree. And I would encourage folks, John, you you referred to it. If you didn't listen to last week's episode about starting a business, then I encourage you to go back and check that out. John, I think that we've given people plenty to think about. Any other parting thoughts? Get ready for next time. The first episode where we talked about starting a business, we indicated that this was going to be a multi-part series. So we've talked about starting a business. We've talked about buying a business today, which has plenty of puts and takes. And then next time, We're going to get to the point in the show where we talk about selling a business, which can be something that is joyful. It can be something that's difficult, but we'll go through all that. And that's part that I'm actually pretty excited about talking about is the the selling of the business. I think that's something that plenty of people are looking at and in a place where you and I can add value. Well, and we talked in last week's show about beginning with the end in mind. And I think that next week we get to talk about what it looks like, maybe the potential pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So, John, enjoyed it. Look forward to seeing you again next week. Yes, sir. There we have it. Another great episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, here are four ways that we can help. 
First, complete the Retirement Success Scorecard to discover whether or not you're on track to a successful retirement on your terms. You can find this at signaturewealth.com scorecard. Second, get a complimentary copy of my book, The Retirement Remix. Whether you're interested in real life retirement stories and inspiration from others like you, or you want to learn more about Medicare and Social Security, it's all in there. Go to theretirementremix.com to grab your copy. Third, listen in on bi-weekly office hours with our team. We host live virtual office hours to share new investment and planning information and answer your money, markets, and retirement questions. Find the details to join us at signaturewealth.com slash office hours. And fourth, schedule a complimentary strategy call with one of our advisors to make sure you're on track toward your ideal retirement. Go to signaturewealth.com and select the Signature Wealth office closest to you. We'll be back here next week for more on the Retirement Remix. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.